Hey everybody, it's me, Josh, and for this week's SYSK Selects, I chose our episode, Why Can't We Find Amelia Earhart, which first aired in December of 2010. Uh, recently, a photo's been making the rounds that purports to show Amelia and her navigator, poor Fred Noonan, after they disappeared, which supposedly gives credence to the theory that the Japanese captured them. So I thought it was a good reason and a good time to revisit our episode on it. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Uh, there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Chuck Tran. Jerry's in the other room with a golf putter that she's going to come in here and swing at us any second now. Mm-hmm. Which makes this stuff you should know. I think we're on our last nerve today. Yes. Well, it's Friday. So last Friday in October... It's like three o'clock, and we're going to get out of here after this. Yeah. Plus, we were we've been gone all week, and then we just get carried in here by our minions on our thrones, and <laughs> we were plopped down, and we just told Jerry to like make it so. And yeah. Wasn't that standing ovation from everyone we work with? Um, just amazing. It Didn't was that weird. just touch you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of used to him by now. Hey, Chuck. Yes. Do you ever uh, get any Time Life books? No, I've never gotten them, but what? I used to love those when I was a kid. The commercials. Yeah, there are some cool ones. The Old West ones. I rem- well, especially. I like the ones that were um, just kind of like out there, like what the heck is going on? Like I, I first heard of trepanation, thanks to Time Life. Oh, really? Ancient brain surgery. From the What the Heck is Going On series? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Very underrated. Uh, there's one, um, the Wild West ones, huh? Oh, yeah. The, the, he once killed a man just for snoring too loud. Huh. That had a big impact on me. Yeah. So uh, I don't snore. My dad, li- <laughs> my dad liked the... Uh, World War Two ones, yeah. Well, he liked anything. I could see World that. War Two for a while. Now he's kind of out of it. Really? Yeah. He's like, eh. We kind of. <laughs> um, well, there is a there is a book. It's still in print, as far as I can tell. It's called uh, Lo- it's Life, not Time Life, mm-hmm. because I think Time went on with Warner and AOL. Oh, okay. Which, by the way, someone at Time Life or Time Warner said that their acquisition of AOL was one of the worst mistakes in the history of business recently well that's not nice no uh but there is a life book called uh the greatest mysteries of all time oh yeah those are great and it's like a top 50 and it's things like um was anastasia alive princess anastasia uh-huh. did she escape the bolshevik revolution pompeii um, who uh, th- that's not really a mystery oh did they figure that one out yeah Oh no, I'm in Atlantis. Oh, okay, yeah. I was like, you know, they they've got that one licked. We can go there actually if you'll pay for the plane tickets. Um, there's Jack the Ripper, one yeah. of our faves, uh-huh. uh, and among them, as she should be in all lists of the greatest unsolved mysteries, yeah. is Amelia Earhart. Oh yeah, right. Um, in 2007, uh, we saw the 70th anniversary of her disappearance. Yeah. She just kind of flew into history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wrote an article about it last summer. Um, and it, I, I was really shocked to find that there is a lot of pieces in place that if one thing would change, we'd know for sure what happened to her. Yeah. But still, this mystery endures. Yeah. Um, and it drives people crazy. And makes yeah. them want to go, like, people spend tons of money and time and effort sure. uh, to, to try to figure out what happened to her. And some people have come up with some theories that are interesting. Um, 
one was that she was actually captured by the Japanese. This is right before World War Two, right? Prisoner and they war. were kind of adversarial. Uh, what they leave out is that the Japanese actually helped with her search, right? So that's not true. What, but that is a theory that still is going on that she was um, captured by the Japanese and either executed or forced into servitude to become Tokyo Rose, who right. was this group of uh, English-speaking women who basically said, G.I., your girlfriend back home is having sex with um, Captain America and Superman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's true. They said things along those lines. Uh, it's just, that's good. Um, a- another one is that there was uh, an alien abduction. Uh, that's what I'm siding with. Have you heard of Irene Craigmile Bolam? Yeah. So that was the, uh, apparently there was one theory that Amelia Earhart uh, just assumed the life of a New Jersey housewife yeah, uh, by that uh, name. A successful banker who retired to become a New Jersey housewife. She's yeah. a very worldly woman. She had her pilot's license in the 30s. Uh-huh. There was a lot of stuff that, um, she actually had a mutual friend with Amelia Earhart. Um, uh-huh. So they uh-huh. kind of ran in the same circles. Yeah. Um, and not much is known of her life before World War II. She kind of appears out of nowhere, supposedly. So alleged this guy who w- was about to release a biography in 1970 saying, mm-hmm. this lady is Amelia Earhart. And the woman sued and won $1.5 million. And the book was never published, I believe. Interesting. Yeah. But the guy was relentless. After she died, um, he asked to be able to photograph and fingerprint her body. Really? And the family was like, no. But so he's he, taking it like, exactly. Why would you not let me do that? You know, <laughs> Because exhuming a body isn't uh, a picnic. I think it was before she was buried he was trying to get oh, his okay. hands on her. Well, still. Yeah. Uh, I have a theory, Josh. I'd like to hear it, Josh. I have a theory that if you asked 1,000 people who Fred Noonan was, that 999 of them would have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, I had no idea who he was until I researched this. Fred Noonan was in the plane in the uh, Lockheed Electra Mm -hmm. as the navigator that went down um, on July 2nd, 1937, or supposedly went down. You might not have seen him. There's a picture of him in Earhart, and he is the quintessential old-timey navigator. Oh, yeah. His um, button-down shirt is buttoned all the way up to his Adam's apple. He's Uh got, like, some... Um, papers in this front shirt pocket and it's like, like a his, pocket protector. His um, his his pants are pulled up to just below his um, uh, his nipples. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he just looks like he's like all business. That's who I would have hired. Uh, definitely, and he was a good guy. Apparently, um, there was before before they went off on their um equatorial trip around the world. Yeah, explain to people because some people might not even know the backstory. We assume everyone knows, but what they were trying to do was circumnavigate. The globe. Along the equator. Along the equator. Which is as long as you could possibly take to get around the globe. Right. Obviously not all in one shot. They did this in installments, uh, but they were definitely not doing it in installments of four or 500 miles at a pop. No. And by this time, we should also say, this is 1937 when they uh, they undertook this um, trip. But uh, by this time, Amelia Earhart was al- already like this worldwide, internationally famous oh, yeah. figure. Sure, she was a well-known pacifist, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Um, she was a women's rights advocate. Very cool. Uh, like women can do anything that guys can do, kind of thing. Right. Um, she was a study in contrast, though. Apparently, like um, she had, one of her friends had given her a fifty-fifty chance of surviving this trip, and she actually agreed with it. Um, wow. And she had said that she wasn't worried for herself because she maintained that. This, um, uh, this, uh, what she called a feminine um, 
conceit that she was afraid of aging. Right. So she wasn't really worried about dying, but she was worried about Fred. Oh, because that's he nice. was like a, this nice guy with the family. Yeah. And she was right to worry because on July second, uh, nineteen thirty-seven, they disappeared off the face of the earth. So what you're saying is she had guts of steel, nerves she did. of steel. She'd already been awarded the Flying Cross. Um, by Congress, she received the National Geographic Award from President Herbert Hoover. Um, she was the first woman to cross the Atlantic. Uh, ten years before, she'd broken an uh, altitude record. Um, she was the first woman to fly around the world. Wow! So all of this in in a, about a ten or twelve year career, she'd That's done amazing. all this stuff. So when she disappeared, the whole world knew. Oh yeah, it was big big news. Yeah. And uh, she, well, well, we'll talk about where she disappeared um, broadly because they still don't know for sure, which is one of the problems. Uh, she departed in her Lockheed Electra, which is to me one of the coolest looking planes ever built. Yeah. Shiny silver. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really cool looking plane. And uh, she departed Lai Papua New Guinea. Yes. Papua New Guinea. To probably escape a Kiri outbreak. Oh, really? I don't know. That's the only place that that is found. Well, they uh, they departed lie to um oh, go really? <laughs> for one of the longest stretches uh of this of this flight and they were um setting out for Howland Island which was about 2500 miles away from when they were going. Right. So consider this Chuck, they'd already flown most of the way around the world. Yeah, they were they about 7000 s- miles short. Yeah, and then this was the longest stretch. Yeah. And it was also um it was going to eat up a lot of that last 7,000 miles. It was 2,500 miles yeah. from Papua New Guinea to Howland Island. And Howland Island itself is pretty small. Yeah, a mile and a half by a half mile. Yes. Tiny little atoll. And it only rose 20 feet out of uh, the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Um, and basically, these atolls out there in the Pacific are just are basically columns coming out of yeah. the ocean floor. Uh-huh. And that's it. That's so crazy. there's like no shelf on either side. Yeah, it's um, like trying to land on a postage stamp, I would think. Right. And it, it was very apparent to everybody, including Noonan and Earhart and the uh, U.S. Coast Guard and government, that this is a very dangerous, this is a, the, probably the most dangerous leg of the journey. Um, so they had a Coast Guard cutter, the Itasca, who was tasked with tracking them. It was Itascad. Right. Yeah. And they also had two additional ships um, for markers to help her along. Right. So she wasn't just completely out there alone. They were they were trying to keep up with her because every, you know, clearly everyone had, an, had a, a stake in her being successful. Right. And I say her and Fred. Poor Fred. He just, he never gets any accolades. No. You know? No one even knows who he is. No one knows who he is. So uh, Fred was trying to use um, celestial navigation, but it was really overcast, so he couldn't do that. Uh, they fell out of radio contact, and at dawn, the uh, Itasca picked up a transmission where she said that Noonan kind of figured that they were should be just over where they were. She right, was like, over, Look right up. over the boat, which yeah. was right off of the uh, the shore of Howland Island. Right, but apparently they didn't see her and uh, the um, the Lockheed Electra, and they uh, they didn't hear. There was no trace of. Her. Yeah, they, they had were nothing. pretty sure that they were way off. And about an hour after that, they, they knew the fuel uh, was running low. And about an hour after that, they got the final transmission from her, which basically um, just said, we are running north to south. And those were her last words that anyone ever heard. Yeah. Very sad. So about that time, um, the news got back that they never showed up to Howland Island. Yeah. Um, and President Roosevelt, who was a, a friend of hers, mm-hmm. he also was a great admirer of hers as well, um, 
ordered a massive search by the Navy. And remember, we said the Japanese helped as well. So yeah. it was a multinational search and rescue um, mission uh, that covered a quarter of a million square miles. Yeah. That is a huge, huge area. Yeah, Texas is um, a little less than 270,000. So it's nice. it's just slightly less than the state of Texas. Right. And it was open water that they're searching. Yes. Right? Um, they, and, the, un, and un, you know, the old joke is, look at all that water. And the reply is, yeah, and that's just the top of it. Right. That's one of the problems. Yeah, exactly. You're scanning an area the size of Texas and what possibly lies beneath all that. Right. And... Um, but you're hoping that if, if if the thing broke up, you would find some wreckage, some sign of life, something, something. floating. Sure, they found nothing. Yeah, no, nothing that they could link to Earhart or Noonan. Like they just disappeared. Um, and actually, FDR took a lot of flack. We should say because he spent four million bucks in yeah. the middle of the Great Depression yeah. just to search for this one person, uh-huh. uh, or well, these two people. See. Or Fred Noonan. Yeah. Um, but it, it, he always stood by that, as far as I know. Um, again, though, it was a fruitless search, and they turned up nothing, right? I think that'd be a great band name. I know I say that, but Poor Fred Noonan, that's a good one. Yeah. I'm going to have to remember that in case El Cheap over breaks up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> after the Navy search, they basically discontinued their search and said, you know what? We can't find her and Fred. And. Um, we're going to send a destroyer out to Gardner Island. It was called Gardner Island back then, and now it's uh, Nikumaroro. <laughs> Nikumaroro. Nikumaroro? Yeah. And uh, they did this because uh, radio transmissions on her frequency were being broadcast in that area. They were, which is pretty substantial because oh, yeah. this is an uninhabited area. Yeah. And... Um, the, this is still an unexplained uh, aspect of this mystery. Yeah. There were sporadic bursts of radio transmissions. Um, and no one still can say why. They were they were from some guy named Fred Noonan, so they didn't pay any attention. Right. <laughs> exactly. They're like, who's that? <laughs> you seen Amelia Earhart? I guess he's a swimmer. Um, so they basically sent a couple of dispatch planes um, to that island, found nothing, and said, all right, we're calling off this area. That she's not out here. Neither is no, Fred. No evidence of life. Right. And that would have been that. That was 1937, right? Yeah. And the planes went back to the uh, destroyer, or their aircraft carrier, and left. Uh, and that 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 wouldn't that probably would have been the end of the association between Gardner Island uh, or Nika Nikumaroro mm-hmm. and Amelia Earhart had it not been colonized by the British in 1938. Yeah, had it not been for their penchant for colonization. Yes. Period. If British imperialism didn't exist, yeah. they, they, this probably, these, these artifacts never would have turned up, but their, um, their, uh, the, how they like to colonize yeah. things, they colonized this remote outpost. They actually gathered up some other islanders nearby and said, hey, you're going to live here now. Um, and when these islanders went on the island, they found evidence that a castaway had been there Yeah. Uh, recently. They found some pretty jarring stuff, right, Chuck? Yeah, and uh, I mean, most certainly a castaway, because they found a woman's shoe, a man's shoe, right. a liquor bottle, yeah, well, yeah. and a, uh, a, a container for a sextant, which is one of those, you know what those are, the cool-looking navigational device that you hold up, and it looks like something out of a league of extraordinary gentlemen or right. something. Which uh, Fred Noonan had on the plane with them. Oh, of course he did. Yes. You know, Fred. Uh, and then they also found, um, certainly not uh, the least of which, would be human skull and bones. Yeah, here's here's where this thing would be st- 
just done, probably, in my opinion. And where they just say this is them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they found one set of human remains. Um, the the uh, islanders took this to the uh, governor of the island. Um, his name was uh, Gerald. Oh, I can't remember his Gerald name. Gerald Gallagher. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, they took it to Gerald Gra- Gallagher. Gallagher says, I suspect I know who this is. Let's get a physician looking at this. The physician examines it, and the bones are promptly lost forever. No one has any <laughs> idea what happened to him. Luckily, this physician took pretty methodical notes and uh, wrote uh, descriptions and, and drew drawings of the bones. And so in the 90s, some forensic anthropologists got their hands on these notes, and they said pretty much unequivocally that these bones were the bones of a woman mm-hmm. of Northern European ancestry. Bingo. Uh, who was about five foot seven, and Amelia Earhart was five foot eight. Well, there you have it. Well, you would think. They were off by an inch. It wasn't her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but in this day and age, you have to have DNA evidence to prove uh, yeah. incontrovertibly, right? Sure. So the bones go missing. We can't get a DNA match. But consider that on an uninhabited island, Right where they think that Amelia Earhart might have gone down, the remains of a woman of Northern European ancestry who was pretty much the same height yeah. as Amelia Earhart were found yeah. a few years after her disappearance. I say score. I say score as Game, well. Game, set, match. But they also found some other cool stuff. At, um, in the area of the island was called Seven Site, and that was the little the encampment that they believe you know was used by them. Right. And they found some other cool stuff like uh, clamshell fragments that... Uh, basically, they were smashed open by somebody. Right, and exposed to fire, which, you know, unless they were struck by lightning, that's pretty much um, definitive evidence of human use. Well, yeah, and they also found bones of fish and birds and turtles that had been exposed to fire. Right. So, in other words, somebody was cooking up something to eat. Yeah. Uh, what else did they found? They found... Um, they found pieces of bottle that show signs of use as uh, cutting and sawing tools. Yeah. Um, they also found a little piece of a knife, um, which they managed. I don't know how they did this because yeah. you sent me this link. There's a picture of just the knife blade, mm-hmm. uh, and they went back and managed to uh, identify it as a type of uh, jackknife yeah. that was produced within this time period by this company in Rhode Island. So it was it was produced from like 1930 to 1942 or something like that. Score. And then they went back this year. This group called the um, I, we should say their name. Yeah. The uh, International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery uh-huh. or TIGHAR. Yeah, they've been I think three or four different times over the years to and this island. They went this summer as i was writing this they were preparing the expedition and they found the rest of the knife um and this is where they hope to get dna evidence from well yeah and not the reason that the knife uh, discovery is important or the rest of the knife uh they originally found the blades only and then they found the knife this summer and it showed that the knife blades had been forcibly removed from the knife indicating that Maybe that they took out each blade to maybe, and of course you're speculating, but maybe to attach it to, uh, to an end of a spear or something mm-hmm. like that for fishing. For fishing. Anyone totally who's seen sense. Castaway knows what that's all about. I just saw that the other day again, by the way. Um, they also found uh, Gardner Island, by the way, became uh, uninhabited in 1963. There was a prolonged drought, and yeah. the British government were just like, just forget it. Everybody just leave. Um, and uh, the the... the group uh, Tighar, when they went to excavate around there, they found in this abandoned village uh, folk art made of aluminum aircraft metal. 
Right, which they can't definitively prove came from her plane, right. obviously. But come on. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence. Female castaway, handicrafts. Right. Or maybe Tom, he was the big crafty guy. But there, um, I, I don't think Tom made it. I think Amelia Earhart made it. You I think, think so? Tom was maybe killed on impact or drowned, and uh, Amelia made it to the island and uh, died there alone. Quite possibly, and she may have even eaten him. No? That's a uh, that's that's a new theory. I think you oh, just I mean, launched. I don't know. That goes in with your um, disappearance of the Neanderthals. That's right. They melted. Um, you, you uh, were, the reason we're talking about these objects that they've recently recovered, though, is uh, because they are trying to get some DNA called touch DNA off of a few of these items. They right, submitted the, ten, I believe, out of a hundred. It's one of the reasons why finding that knife was very important. It's huge. Because mm-hmm. I believe they submitted the blades, and then they found some glass from uh, what looked like a cosmetics jar and a couple of buttons, and they submitted these things to a place in Canada. And I think as of today, I still don't think they have the results of that DNA testing done. Either I that or I didn't see that they had it done yet. So either. guarded, but they wouldn't. It'd guard be that. such enormous news that we would have known. That's what I think. Um, Chuck, there's a lot of people out there who also think that her plane surv- or survived intact and is at the bottom of the Pacific. That's awesome. And people still, and I think Tigar included, um, undertake sonar searches of the ocean bottom. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, a, a good chance that the plane did make it. Um, they were flying supposedly at about a thousand feet, which is extremely low. Yeah. And they were doing about a hundred miles an hour, which is f- pretty slow for a plane, especially a Lockheed Electra. So it conceivably didn't necessarily bust into a million pieces. Right. Yeah. So it's possible it's still out there at the bottom of the ocean. Well, I, I am totally sold. And I know I said like every single Jack the Ripper killer we brought up. I said, mm-hmm. Yeah, he sounds like the guy. But I'm completely mm-hmm. convinced that this is where she spent her last days, like you. And that she ate Fred Noonan? I don't know about that. <laughs> Poor Fred. Poor Fred. Uh, we should also mention, too, that um, they used uh, a new, well, new to them at least, ground-penetrating radar, GPR, for the first time on this last trip this summer. And that is when you can actually look beneath the surface for anything that was buried like Fred. It's magic. And um, they uh, they didn't find anything, though, because not because there was anything there necessarily, but there were lots of roots and air pockets underneath uh, the thing. And I get the feeling that this looks, since you're looking for something buried, looks for pockets of air. And so that it was completely inconclusive. They threw it in the ocean. She may have also pulverized uh, his bones to cover up her abomination. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. I wonder it's... I think this is what happened. I wonder how long they survived, though. I wonder if it was weeks or months or what. Well, consider it. I mean, if her plane went down in 1937 and they started colonizing it in 1938, she lasted less than a year. But can you imagine if she, like, just gave up and then, like, a week later, the British come to colonize Gardner Island? Yeah. I mean, how horrible would that be? So she she made it less than a year if she made it to Gardner Island or Nicomororo. What I'm surprised about, and maybe she tried to do this, and Fred tried to do this, I'm surprised she didn't leave something behind, like, instead of doing a handicraft, maybe try and scratch the name Amelia into the aluminum and uh, bury that or something. Or maybe it's something is there and they just haven't found it yet. Yeah, there's a tree that says Croatoan on it because she was a history buff. <laughs> yeah. 
Amelia was here. Well, that's uh, that's it as it stands so far, huh? Do you think we'll ever do an update if they find her? We always say we will. And we never do. And we never do. So the answer to that question is no. If you want to learn more about Amelia Earhart and see a picture of how cute Fred Noonan is in his little old-timey aviator getup, you should type Earhart into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. That's E-A-R-H-A-R-T. And that should bring it up, I would think. Uh, unless we have articles on other Earhart's. I don't think so. Uh, I guess it's time then for listener mail, right? Yeah. I got one here. I asked for rehab experiences quite a while ago. And I've got one that I meant to read earlier, and here it is. Okay. And I'm going to jump around here. It's kind of long. Uh, this is from Scott, and in 2005, he had pretty much worked himself into a rehab hospital. He was working three different jobs, uh, hit a wall, couldn't decide to walk this way or that way or even pick up a pencil, so he went to the ER. After a 15-minute interview with a psychiatrist, uh, who he said was quite attractive, I'm not sure why he told me that, he said she left, and a guard came to stand outside the room, and she said, you know, you're not just going to take a break. She said, you need to be checked in. And this is how I learned of the 72-hour hold, where a doctor decides you're at risk. So uh, that's what happened to him initially. Uh, next, I wound up in an ambulance for a trip to a psych lockdown ward called Station 22. It sounds like the beginning of a very bad movie, like a horror film. Yeah, Station uh, 22. Exactly. They dropped me off behind two heavily locked doors, and the next thing you knew, I was relieved of my laces and belt. Uh, now, I should say I was not suicidal. I was just really out of ideas. Uh, I don't. I don't know what that means. What out of ideas? Like he was. He had. He was indecisive. He couldn't. No, I think he means he, he was, was just burned out. Was yeah, he having a nervous breakdown? Out of options. Out of ideas. Yeah, it sounds like it. I uh, spent eight days in Station 22 and saw some interesting things, and here are a few. A meth addict was admitted. She looked like she should weigh about 110 to 120 pounds, but she weighed more like 80. She took one drink of orange juice, promptly dropped to the floor like a sack of bones. And this is what I learned what a code red was. The crash cart, the ER, and the whole parade. Wow. After leaving Station 22, I transferred to a place in the suburbs for a 28-day program. It was pretty cool. I met a very well-known author and many other fascinating people. Uh, saw the girl sneaking out of the guy's room, the whole thing. Had to bear the AA rhymes and sayings. And I totally understand Sandra Bullock in 28 days now. Uh, the big news was the guy who wrote A Million Little Pieces uh, was coming the next week because he had stayed there before when he was writing the book. And the Oprah people came on site to work out camera locations and blocking. And uh, two days before they were to descend, the I Made It Up scandal occurred. So he never showed. Wow. Clearly. Um, and here are just a few other little tips. Uh, people in rehab are insane about sweets. I think there's a definite link between sugar and addiction. Everyone seemed to want to hook up with something sweet. Um, I have seen that heroin sickness looks worse than dying in a fire. Wow. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. And a surprising number of people were repeats. I'm talking like, yeah, this is my seventh time here. And I also saw a lot of people who snuck off for a drink and got kicked out. So uh, Scott is doing much better now. He is back on track, living a great life. Way to go, Scott. And he says, I love uh, what you guys do and how you do it. I now give to Kiva and Coed. Awesome. And pretty much pace the halls into your next episode. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Scott. I'm very glad you're feeling better. Right, Chuck? As long as you're not pacing the halls of Station 22, buddy. Um, keep in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah? Yeah, you know, quickly can I say that if you have uh, written listener mail, we don't answer all those anymore because there's just too many. Facebook is a great place 
to submit questions and get answers quicker or at all. <laughs> That's uh, Facebook.com yeah. slash Stuff You Should Know. But we still read the listener mails. We just sure, don't answer sure. them all. Uh, Twitter is uh, SYSK Podcast. Uh, we also have that Kiva team, KIVA.org slash team slash Stuff You Should Know. Uh, Coed's website is C-O-E-D-U-C dot org. Um, and you can always email us. Like Chuck said, we don't always respond. I do sometimes. Do you still? Yeah. Okay. Um, send us an email to let us know what you do or what you think you would do or what you should do when you run out of ideas. Wrap it up. Send it to us at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.